Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. I can worry about how big the stage I'm on is, or I can worry about, God, what are you doing to grow me? How am I getting better? And if I will focus on getting better, if I will be a better preacher, if my next sermon, if I focus on making it my best sermon, if I figure out how to become a better leader of people, uh, learn how to serve others better, if I can get better, I really believe that other people will demand that I get bigger. And I believe it's the way God works, that God, he trusts us with more responsibility when we've shown that we can be faithful with the little things. Welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy. Here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. And Josh, who do we have joining with us today? Hello, Chandler. Hello. You doing okay today? I'm doing great, man. Awesome. Hey, we're excited to talk with Clay Scroggins. He's one of the lead pastors at North Point Community Church. He's a jack of many trades. He's the master of hosting, does a lot of stuff with Catalyst Leader. I've seen him dance to Beyonce before. <laughs> uh, he, he has written How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. He is a preacher, like we said, lead pastor at North Point, a husband, a father, and just an all-around incredible human being. Clay, we're happy to have you on today. How are you, brother? Oh, doing great, especially that you brought up my Beyonce uh, dancing Fe- uh, fetish, I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. That's the first time I met you too. You danced and I was like, I've got to go meet this guy and talk to him about coming to summer camp with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you knew. I'm glad that me wearing that Beyonce uh, black leotard didn't turn you off to me. Well, um, <laughs> I said this guy can reach people. He he can do it. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. get him on the stage. So. Is there a video? I'm on kidding. The I was not wearing I was not wearing a leotard, Chandler. No, he no was. He was, was wearing a leotard. He 100. <laughs> percent Oh, that is incredible, <laughs> buddy. I'm I'm not above it, and I'm not opposed to it. But I was not wearing one. Well, hey, Cam, this summer. Uh, I'm, I'm excited one, about dude. being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks yeah. For, uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. And just to get started, what we'd love to do is just hear a little bit of a quick overview of the different leadership roles that you've been in over the years and kind of what your journeys look like to where you are now as the lead pastor at North Point. Yep. Um, you know, I, uh, I just had my 39th birthday a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm in my 40th year on planet Earth. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm a little bit, I am learning that I am in a rare company because I have worked at, essentially I've worked at one, uh, for one church, my whole, uh, time in ministry. Wow. Um, but that was, uh, that's been a good, it's been a great relationship for me. And God has certainly, uh, he's given me some great opportunities uh, at the church that I've been working at. We've got multiple campuses. So I, when I was 18 years old, I grew up, uh, my childhood was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, they play football in Tuscaloosa <laughs> as you, as Josh, I know, you know, I know for uh, sure. yes. being in, uh, being in the two Oh five. Um, but, uh, moved to Atlanta to go to Georgia tech, studied, uh, engineering. I told them, if you will let me have this degree, I promise you, I will never use it. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I uh, kept good on my word, uh, have not used it. Um, I graduated from college and because I had gotten so involved at this church, uh, church called North Point Community Church in Alpharetta, I decided I wanted to do ministry. And um, I really struggled with calling and what does it mean to 
just sign up for ministry because that's really what I felt like I was doing. And, uh, moved to Dallas, Texas to go to seminary to get a graduate degree. And really it was not, um, I, I just couldn't believe that people were graduating from seminary and they were sending out resumes the same in the same way that people did in college. Just, and I, I would say to my friends in seminary, I'd be like, wait, you're going to go work at this church and you've never even been there. How do you know, uh, how do you know you're going to fit or how do you know it's going to fit for you or that it's going to be your kind of church or your people or whatever. And, um, that was just a foreign concept to me because I didn't go to seminary to try to figure out how to get a job at a church. I went to seminary to try to get trained so that I could go work at North point because that's where I felt like I was really, um, I had just fallen in love with our vision and mission and the leadership culture there. And, um, went back in 2006 and worked in student ministry. So I worked in student ministry for five years I uh, met my wife in Dallas, Texas. That was the best thing that happened to me there. And she, <laughs> she had a real, <laughs> genuinely, she had a real passion for student ministry as well. And so um, those were some of the best years of our life, for sure. Um, being newlyweds, uh, working with high school students. She was leading a small group of high school girls. I was leading our student ministry. And uh, uh, when I was 30, they asked me to go lead a campus, which I was not... I was not really excited about it first because I don't know, working with adults, man, it's just not, it's not near as cool as working with high school students. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I did that though. I moved to one of our campuses. It's called Brownsbridge church. I worked there for four years as the campus pastor. Um, I moved to move back to Alpharetta about five years ago to be the campus pastor at North point in Alpharetta and actually just, took a new role about a week ago to be the new campus pastor or lead pastor at Buckhead church, our church oh, wow. that's in town. So Andy's been there for about the last year and a half uh, as the lead pastor there. And he and I are switching places. So he's kind of coming back home to North point for him. And I'm going to go down South uh, in town to what I think is one of the coolest church buildings uh, in the world. I have been right there and it is middle. a fantastic building. It's awesome. It's pretty, uh, it's remarkable because it's just in this uh, business shopping district, uh, kind of in the epicenter of Atlanta. And uh, it's just a really cool spot. So when I was graduating from Georgia Tech, when I was, uh, I took a, I took another lap around college uh, <laughs> because I struggled getting out of physics too. Um, and Buckhead Church had just opened. And so I attended there for about a year uh, at the end of my college career. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome for me to get to go back there and lead that church, which I'm really excited about. So I actually haven't even transitioned yet. I'll do that in the next month, but we're moving. Uh, we live, uh, we live like 40 miles North of Atlanta right now, uh, up in the sticks. And so we're moving in town, um, moving our whole family. We got five kids, 10, eight, six, four, two, uh, 10, eight, six, four, and a one and a half year old. And we're changing schools, changing hoods <laughs> and we're doing it, man. We are doing it. Well, congrats, man, on the position. I mean, like you're the, 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 the Padawan has become the master. Is that like, <laughs> is it that, you know, I, I don't know what's happening. It's awesome. Yeah. It's been a journey. It's been a, it's been six months of conversation with me and Andy and it's been, uh, 
it's been really good. I mean, it's, um, but I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about the opportunity. And obviously I, I when I went to Georgia Tech, I lived uh, downtown. And so, um, I'm pretty familiar with the city of Atlanta and my wife is not, she's much more of a suburban person. So I think this urban life, she's a little nervous about, but, um, <laughs> she is, she is a, she's an amazing, amazing person. And she's pretty, she's gotten on board and is really excited about it. And, we, we really believe that uh, we're trying to see this as an opportunity for God to let us parachute into this super affluent community and try to reach people that don't know Jesus. So we're, we're, um, we're seeing it as an amazing adventure. I love that, Clay. I want to go back to your time as a student pastor. Um, it was a high school student pastor, correct? Yep. So yep. at that time, um, were you, was there a desire in you to, at some point down the road, become a lead pastor or were you, you know, good to, to stay in that role for, for many years? Yeah, I think I felt torn about that because, you know, you'd go to some, you know, youth ministry conference and they would shame you with the lifespan of a normal student pastor, yeah. which is like two years yeah. and how, you know, for most people, this is a stepping stone to something else. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, I think I probably, yeah, I, yes, it was in me. Um, but I think I was, I probably didn't feel free to be able to share it or say it because I just felt like it was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I really wrestle with that because I, obviously I talk a lot to our student people. I mean, they're when, when, you know, on the random Thursday when I, you know, have a gap between meetings or something and I'm kind of wandering our building to go see who I can find to play ping pong. Um, <laughs> I usually make my way down to our student ministry space because that's my favorite group of people. I mean, it's the people that I just, I'm wired to enjoy most. And, uh, so I talk a lot to those teams and I don't know, I I wrestle through that as well because I don't want people to use any kind of ministry as a stepping stone. Um, you ought to, you know, whoever God has put in front of you to lead, that's who you should feel most committed to. But at the same time, God opens up doors and moves us on. And, you know, career I have learned is just a career is all about solving bigger and more complex problems. And so, you know, once you have at least helped figure out how to solve a complex problem, usually God opens up an opportunity for you to solve a bigger one. And a lot of times the progression is, you know, you move from student ministry to eventually working with adults. And then some of that's about relevancy as well. I mean, you know, you, you relate to the age of people that are usually just a few years behind you. So, um, I don't know. That's a long answer, Chandler, to your question. I, but I do feel like it was in me. I just was probably afraid to say it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think that's true. Probably a lot of, um, you know, leaders who are in that role. And just real quick, I'd love to ask you this because I know some listeners are probably asking this same question is, is, hey, Clay, I know that down the road, I do want to lead um, from your experience. What would be some of the keys that you would tell me to focus on during that transition? Um, or the waiting even, you know, I'm still in yeah. student ministry, but I know that I want to be a, a lead pastor one day. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'm going to take that as two questions okay. and both of them I think are really great, but let me start with just the waiting. Um, I would say, I mean, here, here's what I tell myself because I've had plenty of seasons where I felt like, God, I've got more, there's more in me. You know, if you were to pop the hood and look at how many horsepower are in here, there's more than what I'm currently getting utilized for. I could, 
I could speak more. I could lead more. I could pastor more. Uh, I could work on bigger problems and it's just not happening. I would just, you know, there's the story that, so I live in Atlanta. Chick-fil-A is, you know, it is like, it's everyone's church in Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) There's this story about Truett Cathy that I love where Boston market was moving into Atlanta and opening up gobs of stores. And they were sitting in a board meeting. This is like in the nineties talking about why they weren't growing fast enough. And Stuart uh, Truett starts banging the table and he says, uh, the way the story goes, he says, hey, we're asking the wrong question. We don't need to be asking how can we get bigger. We need to be asking how can we get better. And if we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. And I've heard that story numerous times. And it's a great story in regard to organizational uh, to organizations. But there's a personal application to me. And the personal application is I can worry about how big the stage I'm on is, or I can worry about God, what are you doing to grow me? How am I getting better? And if I will focus on getting better, if I will be a better preacher, if my next sermon, if I focus on making it my best sermon, if I figure out how to become a better leader of people, uh, learn how to serve others better, if I can get better, I really believe that other people will demand that I get bigger. And I believe it's the way God works, that God he trusts us with more responsibility when we've shown that we can be faithful with the little things. And so if you're in a position of waiting, then I would use the mirror as your, mm. as your guide, figure out what do I need to work on? How do I need to grow that if I'm, if I'm not getting more opportunities, then there's, there's something in me that God's trying to shape or trying to make more whole so that he can use me uh, in a greater way in the future. So that that's the first part of that. The second part is what can you be doing right now um, I would say you can, you can create this oasis of excellence wherever you are. That's what I'm really trying to focus on in those times where I'm not getting the lead out as much as I want to, or they just don't see the potential that I think is in me. Then you just figure out what are you, you know, everybody can't be in charge of everything, but you are in charge of something and you need to figure out what are you in charge of and you need to make it the best it can possibly be. I call it creating an oasis of excellence. Uh, whether it's a student ministry, whether it's a kid's ministry, whether it's the building maintenance that you're in charge of or cleaning the closets out, you go make that closet the most efficient, best run closet in the world. And, you know, hey, if they don't see what you can do, then you just go create the oasis of excellence with whatever you're in charge of. I, love I think that. if you focus on that, I think it leads to more opportunities. Man, that's seriously really great practical advice. I, as I'm hearing you talk, a lot of I just think of student life camp so much because we have so many college students coming through and saying a lot of the same things and a lot of students asking a lot of the same questions. You know, when you're 18 to 22 years old trying to figure out what's next in life, you're asking a lot of these questions and desire for more opportunity, especially when you have a lot of young leaders. I like to think that we have a good pipeline of leaders that come through each summer. But a lot of what you're saying is so character-based. And I feel like as a young leader, and well, even now, and I'm 29, and even now I still have to get my head right at times, but I think competency-based. I've got a yeah. lot of good competencies wow. in my life, but yeah. Lord, what are you doing with my character right now? And yeah. how are you trying to I define that. that? Because I can't remember who who said it, Maxwell, Grishel, somebody, <laughs> one of those guys said it right now. <laughs> it's probably Clay. Huh? Yeah, Clay, who knows? Yeah, sure, but uh, sure. man, the, the best thing I can ever give anybody with my leadership is my personal holiness and my character and, and a reflection yeah, of Christ that. and how that looks. So man, that's really good. Uh, Clay, can you tell us about a pivotal moment that you look back on that changed your leadership and life? Like if one just pops to mind, we would love to, uh, would love to hear about that.
that from you. Yeah. I mean, there's been a couple of instances, uh, just working with Andy where, um, I don't know. He's got a really great way of, I, I, the way I think about it is if you guys had those days in life where maybe you're wearing a shirt that you forgot to wash or something and it hits you at about one that you're like, do I stink? Like, is it me? Am I, I, do I smell? That just hit me, bro. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, and it, what's crazy is it, it kind of drives you crazy because you're like, is it just me? Like, because you, you don't know. Does everybody else know this already? Mm. Or is it just me? Um, I've had numerous moments like that, uh, that he's really helped. He's a, he's been very kind and gracious to me on numerous occasions and helping me know, um, yeah, it's you, <laughs> it is you, which is such an embarrassing thing, you know, when you're like, oh my gosh, I thought it was me, but I wasn't sure. And he just really kindly helps me see, um, yes, it, it is you. Um, I mean, there was one particular one in regards to, uh, being more courageous and seeking feedback. Um, I've gone through different seasons where I, I, here's what I've learned about feedback is I know that I want to grow, but I also want to be accepted. And Mm -hmm. sometimes my desire to grow, um, moves me to want to ask for feedback, but my need to be accepted keeps me from doing it. Mm, That's good. Because it feels like rejection when people give you feedback. And so there was a moment a couple of years ago where, um, I had a sermon that didn't go well. And the problem with not preaching a good sermon when you have multiple services is, you preach a bad one at nine and then you turn right around at 11. If you don't know how to fix it, then you just preach a bad one at 11 as well. And that's kind of maddening. Um, so the next morning I'm waking up, it's Monday morning. I'm telling my wife about it. I'm like, this is still really messing with me. And she's like, why don't you ask Andy what he thought the problem was? And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, if I've learned anything in marriage, it's listen to my wife. Right. right. So, so I sent him an email. I'm like, Hey, um, I know you're slammed, but if you get a chance, I would love, I can't figure out what was wrong with this sermon. And he immediately responds back and says, well, have you listened to it? Which is another great thing I've learned from him is, uh, being a student of yourself is really the best evaluation. Um, experience alone does not make somebody great, but it's a evaluated experience that really makes you a better, a better leader, a better communicator. And so I went and listened to it and then responded to his email and said, of course I have. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing I did. Oh, that's Andy. so good. That's right. Oh, we've all that's done right. it. We've all done that's it. Right. That's right. So that's right. So, um, I, you know, I end up, I end up, uh, he sends it to me. It's filled with red a couple days later. He had marked up my outline basically. And I ended up going to meet with him about it. And he was so agitated at me because he felt like I just, it was so obvious what I needed to change. And it reminds me of like, you remember in sports when you make a bad play yeah. and the coach is yeah. like, why did you do that? And you're like, I, I don't know Dude, why I, I did seriously that. I mean, don't I, know. Can you tell me? I was, tell me the yeah, I was just playing. I don't know, but yeah, I get it. It was dumb. I just don't know why I did it. So yeah. anyway, so he's doing that and I'm sitting there feeling sorry for myself. And so I finally, uh, I think in my head, I was just sitting there going like, do you know how hard it is to preach after you? And so I just blurted it out, like in a, in a moment of self-pity. I'm like, do you, do you know how hard it is to preach after you? And without even skipping a beat, he looks back at me and he goes, I want it to be hard to preach after you. <laughs> I'm like, mm. Oh my gosh. Like that, um, that's a really cool line. It feels like a kick in the gut right now, but Um, there have been a few moments like that, that have just been really pivotal for me to go, you know what, like quit feeling sorry for yourself 
and just get better. Like there's no reason why any one of us can't get better in life, especially with the opportunities that we have for relationship, for people to give us feedback. It is amazing how powerful other people giving you feedback can be. And it's amazing how powerfully we resist it. And so just getting honest feedback, learning through conferences, podcasts. I mean, this, I just want so badly to, um, to grow. And I just get so tired of myself making excuses for it. Um, uh, I feel like those, there's been a few moments like that that have just been really pivotal for me. No, that's awesome. I, before Chandler gets to the next question, I, uh, I heard on a entree leadership episode, I think it was a, uh, lady that worked for Dave Ramsey, but she was a manager or leader in the organization and she keeps a mirror on her desk. So when employees come in to talk to her about different problems or different things, they have to look in the mirror before they do. And oh, that is really it's good. a moment of reflection of just, of just our introspection rather of, okay, what can, what can I do better? How can I grow yep. differently? But I'm just like, that is a boss move lady. Who, like, that I, is wonder, awesome. I wonder if anyone has sat down, looked in the mirror and just gotten up yeah, and walked away. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, oh, it hit me. I don't yep. even need to talk yep, about it. Mind. I already I'm got good. it. Yeah. I have no right to be here right now. <laughs> That's, right. That's great. Well, I mean, it is amazing how everyone in your life can tell you that you need to change and the human brain. And I think it's that desire for acceptance the human mind can trick ourselves into believing that they're all wrong and I'm right. Like it's unbelievable how powerful our brain is to try to defend our own actions and it helps us sleep at night. I mean, it's what gives us, you know, it helps us walk into the next meeting. So there's something uh, primate about it in a way. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably hardwired in us that we need to feel good about ourselves. And so we tell ourselves whatever we, it is we need to tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. But when we do that, we sometimes short circuit our opportunity to grow. And I know I certainly have been there plenty of times in life and I'm still tempted to be there. Well, some would call that the doctrine of sin. <laughs> <laughs> some, would right. say, right. some would say, some would say, I, now I wouldn't. <laughs> You're like, I have, to, I just can't understand. Are, are you going to accept, accept me if I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. That's good. Clay, jumping from student ministry to a campus pastor to lead pastor in the different roles, I'm sure, sure there were only a few mistakes along the way. Uh, but what was, what was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started? I feel like I, um, I have a tendency to, well, let me just start by saying, I think the way I see the world is right. (laughs) And my biggest mistake is believing that. And I'll tell you where it shows up. I mean, it shows up in my, as I've just been talking about those moments where I have had opportunities to get feedback and hear things about myself or to hear things about what's really going on. And I've just missed it. And then there's also, it also shows up in the way I have tried to lead other people. Uh, because if you, if you, when you feel that way, you naturally approach people with accusation and not empathy Mm. and no one, people just do not respond well to being accused of things. And when you accuse, you immediately put people on their heels. And so, you know, I would, you know, there's something would go wrong with some groups stuff. And so I'd go to the person that runs our groups and I'd be like, why did you let that happen? And they would immediately be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, the situation where the person, they just complained and they told me, and that doesn't make any sense. And they would say, well, can I tell you the whole story? And then they would tell me the whole story and I'd feel like an idiot because I'd go, oh gosh, Okay, sorry. I didn't know that you had this parent that had just come and talked to you. And 
and that led you to go talk to the volunteer, which, you know, there's always a reason why there's always, and it doesn't make them right. It doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't always change the situation, but to, to, to think that the way you see the world is always right. It keeps you in a position uh, where you're just not in a position to learn and really approaching things with curiosity, suspending my own judgment, believing that people do what they're doing for a reason because they think it's the right way to do it. It's just a better way to approach things. It keeps you in a learning position rather than a uh, accusatory uh, judge like position. Clay, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? And I swear, if you say how to lead when you're not in charge, I'm going to make you sing like Beyonce. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you, here's the one that probably affected me most, but I don't know how practical, how relevant this will be to people, but search for significance was probably one of the most profound books for me and my own leadership. Um, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, there's no manual that comes with leadership. I mean, there's a manual that comes with your microwave, but there's no manual that comes for leadership that mm. comes with leadership mm. that it really is all about the health of the person. And so, you know, the, I, there's been plenty of leadership books that I've read that I thought, ah, it's really good. And I should adopt that. I should apply that, but search for significance. I mean, it's an older book, but it's really all about the human heart. It's all about the soul, mm. but it speaks to some of the most, um, common issues that we have as humans, really one of those being, uh, that drive to be a people pleaser, the need for acceptance, um, the, that thing in us that keeps us blaming others instead of taking ownership. Um, it deals with some of those just real, um, foundational problems for people. And it takes, really just some practical truth from God, some theological truth from scripture and applies it in a way. So basically, you know, your answer to the need to be accepted is it's, it's really an identity thing. It's not, um, there's no leadership trick or tip that's going to allow you to break through and become a better leader. If you're constantly needing to be accepted by others, but learning to do the hard thing, learning how to face conflict. Uh, the answer is really knowing who you are, in Christ, knowing what God says about you, that's really the only way you're going to be able to love someone really well and yet also give them what's really true in that moment. So that's probably been the most helpful book for me over the, my leadership journey. And I probably read that when I was like in my mid twenties, the search for significance, Robert McGee. I just looked it up. Um, that's it, man. I, I love, it's so timely what you're saying, Clay, because it makes me think of Luke 6.45, just to bring it full circle, what we've been talking about the whole time really is the heart. And Luke 6.45, the, the mouth speaks of the overflow of the heart. And so yeah. every time I think about leadership training, I can hand them 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader. I can hand them Good to Great. I can hand them How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. And those are great books, and they have their place in the leadership journey and teaching people and training people how to become a leader. But the most significant thing is the heart. And the Lord The Lord yeah. wants a heart transplant. He wants heart transformation. And if we address the fruit of the Spirit, leadership will come from that if we're living in tune with the fruit of the Spirit. So, man, search, for, search for significance. Robert McGee again. Great word, Clay. It's also so yeah. there's leaders who they are great leaders on the outside, but then when you're actually on their team, you start to realize, 
oh man, I think their significance is coming from how well they lead rather than who they are in Christ. And I, I hope that that's never true of me. And I think that's just a key to remember. It's not who you are as a leader, but it's who you are in Christ as that defines you. It isn't Chandler. You're good, man. Don't I, worry. I hope, I hope not. You're good. I hope not. <laughs> yeah. well, Clay, Love it. What, what was, what was your biggest misconception as a young leader? Uh, yeah, I think it was that uh, the more authority you have, the better you are, the better leader you are. Um, and there's so much lie. There's so much of a lie in that. I mean, I used to think that when I was a student pastor, there were things I wanted to do and I just felt like I couldn't do them or couldn't get them done because my boss wouldn't sign off on them. And so I used to think, oh, well, then I just need to get into my boss's job. If I had my boss's job, then I could get done what I think it is that I want to get done. And then you, then I got my boss's job and it didn't work. There, <laughs> there, was still, there were still things that I couldn't get done. And so uh, slowly over time, I began to realize that authority is not what makes a great leader, that the the truth of leadership is that you can really do anything from any position of the organization. And that's my hope as a leader that God would create in me the ability to develop influence and cultivate influence with others in such a way that he could drop me into any organization at any level. And I would be able to get stuff done because the greatest, you know, some of the greatest movements in the world have happened from people who they did not have the authority to do what they needed to do. And then obviously Jesus is the greatest model because he emptied himself of his authority mm. and became a servant, poured himself out and became obedient to death. So he could, I think, uh, obviously redeem us and reconcile us to our father, but also to show us that, hey, look, uh, you don't to get done gr- to get some great things done in the world. It really is all about learning how to serve others and develop influence with them. Um, and that's what we all like working for people that use the, uh, use influence and not authority anyway. Um, that's just a better way. So that was probably my biggest misconception. Yeah. Great. I, we've mentioned it several times. You wrote the book, how to lead when you're not in charge and started on a podcast, I think though, right with Andy. It started, uh, it actually, it started at passion city church's staff meeting. Okay. Okay. Louis, Louis, Louis Giglio asked me to come speak at their staff meeting. And he said, I want you to share about something that you're learning. And I gave him this other idea and his assistant got back to me and said, Louis said, no, thanks. What else do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Rejection. There you go. Makes you better. (laughs) Yeah. And so I sat down the next morning with an open notebook and just begging God, I don't know what I'm learning right now. And it really taught me a great lesson at the time. We, you know, we don't, we just too rarely sit down and ask God, what are you trying to teach me right now? And I remember writing down the phrase, I'm trying to learn how to lead a church in 180 seconds. That was what I wrote down Mm. because as a campus pastor, that's basically what I do is I've got three minutes on stage. And if I go three and a half, they're like, Hey, it was too long. The next service, you need to cut 30 seconds. You need to do everything you just did in three minutes. And so I just remember thinking, I really am trying to learn how to lead a church in three minutes. And then I wrote down the phrase, I'm trying to learn how to lead when I'm not in charge. Mm. And um, yeah, so that turned into a talk I did for our team. And then, yeah, Andy asked me to do it on his podcast. And then 
Uh, and then, I, and, and that's when the millions came. Yeah, the millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. it, guys. It really is an incredible book. And whether you're 80 years into your leadership journey or two months, it's an incredible book that you should read. But Clay, uh, not to like make you recap it, but what would you tell a young leader who is wanting to lead up but just has no clue how to do it? Yeah, I would. I mean, there's a lot I would say, but I guess to summarize, You're like I wrote a book on it. <laughs> yeah, it's called. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would just say to you got to figure out what are you doing that's cultivating influence, and what are you doing that's costing yourself influence, and you have to be, you have to pursue that with um, a real passion, not to get too focused on yourself, but so that God can grow you. I mean, really, you know, getting better at leadership in my mind is just sanctification. It's just God forming you into his likeness. And so, you know, a lot of times somebody asked me this the other day uh, in this breakout I did at a conference where they said, well, you're talking a lot about self-help, but you know, don't you worry that people are going to become too self-focused and as opposed to wanting to help others. And yeah, I think that's a great concern. I think we should always be concerned that we're too self-focused. Um, we're all going to be way too self-focused, but at the same time, self-help is really sanctification. I mean, it's the idea of growing and getting better. Now, obviously we believe that you can't just help yourself, that God's got to, uh, he has to make you better through the power of, of his spirit. But, um, there's also this huge sense of willingness where we have a part to play as well, where we have to surrender to that. So, you know, learning to cultivate more influence, trying to figure out what's costing you influence is really an act of trying to love others better. Um, trying to be a better servant of Jesus. And I would just say to any young leader, and it's really that character development that you were talking about, Josh, it's trying to figure out what am I doing that is making people feel loved. And what am I doing? That's making mm. people not feel loved. That's good. That's good. Because whatever you're doing is making people feel loved is going to make you a better leader. And you need to do more of that and you need to do less of the opposite. Um, but I, I, I would just, I would get as curious as possible about yourself. And if you can become a student of yourself, um, it will just help you in the long run. So that led me to these four behaviors that I wrote down that day of going, okay, well, I, if I'm trying to lead when I'm not in charge, then leadership is really about influence, not about authority. I got to figure out what am I, what do I need to do more of? Yeah. And I wrote down these four things. I've got to lead myself better. Um, I can't wait on somebody to lead me. It's, it's a real popular thing to sit around and whine about how much you don't like your boss. Hmm. But if you lead yourself well, um, you can have a great boss yep. and you cannot have a great boss and you will still be well led. Uh, then it's about choosing positivity. It's about choosing to see, um, to see the hope that's in every situation. Uh, the apostle Paul in Philippians gives us such a great picture of this because I mean, he's chained to a Roman prison guard and you would not know it just by reading the letter because he's so optimistic and faith filled and hope filled. I mean, Christians, we should be the most optimistic forward thinking, can do anything is possible kind of leaders because we Agreed. serve yeah. a God who emptied a grave Come on. and defeated death. So we should be, there's no mountain that's too high for what we believe could really happen. But it takes 
you know, that's easy to say right now. It's hard when your boss just told you what the theme for camp is and you think it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no offense, Josh, to whatever the theme is of student life this summer. I'm sure it's great. It's, yeah, you'll love some, it. You'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll love it. Somebody on your team was like, really, Josh? 100. This is the best 100, you guys could come up with? 100, 100%. I mean, of course. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because here's how I know that is because before you were in charge of student life, that's probably what you thought about uh, right. somebody. You're in my brain, Clay. (laughs) (laughs) The truth is the theme of the camp is not going to make or break the camp, but everybody getting behind the theme of the camp is going to make an incredible camp. And sometimes we just don't like to do that because we like our own way. But choosing positivity is all about going, hey, I'm going to harness the power of together because we is always greater than me, even if it means we're not going to go after my own idea. Um, the, the next behavior I tried to figure out how to do is how to become a better critical thinker. Um, I, you can't just be a person that's walking around positive all day, head in the clouds, rainbow puking pie unicorn. in the sky, a rainbow puking <laughs> unicorn. You, yeah. That's right. That, that, that's, it makes me nauseous and it makes plenty of people, um, really not super helpful at work, but you've got to be a person that's bringing value that says, Hey, I have been thinking about what could make our situation better. And here are some thoughts I have. Uh, That's what critical thinkers do. And then you got to be a person that's rejecting passivity, taking, uh, being intentional, being active, uh, figuring out what is in front of you that you can work on, uh, trying to figure out what your boss is nervous about. I've learned one of my greatest roles that I can play is to, is to manage the anxiety of my boss. Um, it's the way God operates that if he really does work through authority, then whatever's worrying my boss should worry me. Mm, that's good. Whatever concerns my boss has, those should be concerns of mine. And I should be actively working on how to, how to fix those and how to, um, how to mitigate his, his or her concerns, because that's what great leaders do, whether they're in charge or not. Man, that's really good. Before Chandler transitions to the quick hitters, um, want to say, please guys check this book out. It's, it really is incredible. But Clay, you, you're working on another book, right? Yes, I, I'm not working on it. I am ill. Is, I am, uh, as di- the French say, ill fini. <laughs> it is finished. Tell us like, just really quickly, elevator speech of that book. would love to hear a little yeah. bit about it. Yeah. It's called how to lead in a world of distraction. And it's really, you know, the arc of leadership to me is, uh, if we're going to learn how to be leaders that aren't in charge and still effective leaders, we've got to learn how to lead ourselves really well. We've got to learn how to lead, lead others really well. And we've got to learn how to lead organizations for performance really well. And so this is just the next uh, installment, which is learning to lead yourself. Most people aren't leading themselves well because there's so much noise in the world. But great leaders turn down the noise low enough and long enough to be ruthlessly curious of their own emotions so that they can grow. Um, so that's the, that's the essence of the book. And I'm really, I'm kind of nervous about it and I'm hoping it's going to be helpful. Honestly, I feel like, crap, is this going to help people? I hope so. I'm about to pre-order it. I'm not going to pre-order. I'm going to make Clay send me one for free. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) That's right. Get that influencer box. Let's go. That's great. Well, Hey, we're going to move to the quick hitters now. So these are going to be about short one minute answers. So let's start off with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? Uh, teeing off at about 8 a.m. Um, <laughs> That's what we're doing. Okay, we're, guys. We're, we're, talking, yeah, we're talking about work. I mean, I'm up at, I'm up probably at, well, I, I need to go to bed about 9.30. If I can go to bed about 9.30, I'm up at about 4.30. Wow. Um, I'll feel guilty that I don't go work out, but then I'll 
head. I usually go straight to work. Um, I try to get there really early. Part of it's our family situation. Uh, my wife, if I can get home in the afternoon, she really gives me the mornings and I'm freshest in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm up, I'm trying to spend some time figuring out what God thinks about me and what I think about him and trying to get on my knees and giving my day. And then I, um, usually on some kind of reading plan that I'm doing with some friends or some people that I'm trying to help. Um, I, uh, spend some time trying to digest some kind of helpful leadership content in the mornings, whether it be a podcast or reading a book or listening to a book. And then I'm diving into work and I'm trying to work on what's most important this week. What's most important today. What, what do I, what do I have to get done? I've learned great leaders. Uh, they don't just get the stuff done before lunch, but they get it done before breakfast usually. And it clears my mind. It gives me a clear head to be able to focus on the people that I'm going to interact with during the day. So then I'm getting ready for the meetings that I have for the day. And then usually I'm usually wall to wall meetings from eight 30 to three 30 usually. Um, and so I'm trying to do whatever I can do to uh, help the people that I'm meeting with. Uh, if you're not prepared for a meeting, you can't lead a meeting. You're just in it. And so I'm trying to be as prepared as possible for uh, what, what's in front of me. So that's my ideal day. And then I'm home by hopefully by four thirty or five. And it's, uh, it's on from there. We're playing soccer. We're playing basketball. We're uh, doing something with the kids, having dinner together and then, uh, hanging with my wife till nine thirty. Love it. When you do hit the golf course, what is your <laughs> average score? I mean, I'm hoping to shoot an 80. There you go. Um, but more, more than likely, I'm probably going to be at 86 and I'll probably miss a couple of three foot putts and I'll <laughs> probably have a, I'll probably have a sweet, uh, what I like to call the D off the D, the driver off the deck <laughs> to reach a par five and two um, and have a shot at an eagle. That's, that would be my hope. So good. Well, I didn't play golf because I was homeschooled. We just went to the bowling alley. So, <laughs> it's about as exciting as it got. That's uh, awesome. Clay, what's your favorite personality test? And uh, if you can give us the result from that test as well, that'd be awesome. I mean, I, you know, at work, we use the right path. Um, I'm a networker on the right. I'm a, a motivator slash networker on the right path. But I, I mean, Enneagram, who's not in? I mean, y'all live in Nashville. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Enneagram is so hot right now. It is. Um, just the, another way for millennials to get a voice. That's all it is. Just we need our own personality pray. test. That's right. Just praying that you bump into Ian Cron somewhere <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> That's great. I will say uh, the right path. I took that um, while I was at a partner church in North Point. That's a very helpful personality test. I was a networker as well and it just helped me understand myself. So, yeah. What was your Enneagram type though, Clay? I'm a flaming seven. Yeah. A bright seven. You're, uh, Josh, you're, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. You are, I would say you're either a three or an eight. I'm an eight wing seven for sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There it is. That's great. Well, Chandler, I don't know you, but you're probably, if you're a networker, you're probably a seven. I'm a, well, I haven't taken it yet. He, he's refused <laughs> to take it out just out of principle. Everybody's trying to type me though. So we'll he's see. a three Clay. Okay. He's a three. We'll see what happens. Okay. I, I can see it. The three. Yeah, shall very see. sharp. Uh, so moving on to the next one, what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? An unusual habit. Beyonce dancing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dancing to it's Beyonce. Essential. I don't know if this is unusual, but I've found, um, I have been doing these skip level meetings the last couple of years, but whenever somebody that works for me has been in their job for 
uh, a new manager, particularly for a year, I meet with the people on their team for 20 minutes, 30 minutes and just say, Hey, I'm not digging to try to get scoop on your boss. In fact, if you tell me something that you haven't told your boss, we're just going to head straight over to your boss and tell them together. But, um, I'm really just doing this to try to serve him or her better. So anything you can tell me that would help me lead them better and love them better, that would be really awesome. Um, that's probably the most helpful thing I've been doing recently. That's good. What's your favorite app on your phone? Probably Evernote. Uh, maybe the Bible app. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I mean, we've been using Slack a lot at work too. I mean, that's Slack been super is helpful. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, great way to uh, organize communication. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? Uh, 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 probably Culture Code. That thing that... Um, uh, what's the dude's name? I can't remember his name that wrote culture code, but, um, there is this story, this, he uses, uh, Popovich Spurs coach as oh, yeah. a, as an example of a great leader. And this has messed with me in the best of ways, but he said, what is amazing about Greg Popovich is that he does two things simultaneously. Number one, he holds up a standard in front of his players and shows them where they're not meeting the standard. Mm. And then number two, he instills in each of them a belief that they can hit the standard. That's good. And that's what great leaders do both at the same time. And so I, I usually, and I feel like people probably fall on one end or the other. You know, there's a lot of leaders that do a good job of holding up the standard and then showing people where they're not meeting it, but they just haven't figured out how to instill belief in their team. And then I'm more of a leader that I think the people that work with me, the people that work for me would say that they, they really do believe that I believe in them, but I probably need to figure out how to coach them harder. Mm. Um, anyway, that, I just thought that simple little paradigm of leadership was a really great way to think about That's good. Culture, what our job is. Culture code, Daniel culture Coyle. Code. Daniel Coyle. Coil. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Clay, last question, man. We'll let you go. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Uh, one sentence advice for anybody going into a leadership position for the first time. I would just say to resist the urge to feel like you have to know it all. Um, People are so attracted to someone who is willing to say, I just don't know. Mm. And let's figure it out together. And I think if you can do that in a confident way, that's not giving up your um, opportunity that you have to lead, but in a way that is just genuinely humble and yet still um, pushing things forward. I think it's what people are really looking for in leaders is they're looking for a leader that they can believe in and trust and that is willing to say, hey, let's figure this out together. This sounds like a Maxwell book, but I swear it's not. But seven words of leadership. I don't know. Let's find out together. Hmm. Love it. Pretty, pretty Love simple. It. Dude. That's great. Thanks so much for being on here today. You've been awesome. Thank you, guys. Y'all are a lot of fun. I'm uh, hoping that your podcast reaches loads and loads of people. It will now. <laughs> it will now that Clay's been on here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs>
Clay, thanks for joining us, man. And for those who are listening, thanks for listening today. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. And if it has been, just head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other young leaders find the podcast. Thanks again. 